morning, everybody. You may be wondering, why am I greeting you this morning from the roof of a building? Well, you're about to find out uh, when we dive into the scripture. But I wanted to take a moment this morning and just say, I am praying for you. I love you. I pray that you are safe, sound, and strong in the Lord. I cannot wait, cannot wait until we get back together. But until then, please sit back, open your heart, and soak in what God has to say to you in part five of the Acts. We're calling this one, All in the Family. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now the truth is, that is one of the strangest, most bizarre stories in the entire Bible. Simon Peter is hungry. He goes on top of a roof. Somebody starts preparing a meal for him downstairs. He begins to pray. He goes into a trance. He sees a vision of a sheet full of animals coming down and God saying to him, I want you to eat these animals. Now, you first hear that story and you, and you just don't know what to make of it. But the reality is the vision that Peter had was not a vision about food. It was not a vision about animals. It was not a vision about kosher law versus unkosher uh, eating practices. The vision was a vision about God's definition of a family. You see, God was using the metaphor of food to describe a truth about family. God was telling Peter, I'm going to expand your understanding of whose family. And the way he did that for Peter was he used the metaphor of clean and unclean food, kosher and non-kosher food, because Simon Peter grew up as an observant Jew all of his life. He knew that there were some foods that were okay, that were within the circle of admissibility for him. And then there were other foods that were outside of the circle of admissibility. And whether he realized it or not, he made the same assumptions about people. In other words, people within his tribe, within his ethnicity, within his religious system, within his background, were part of his family but people that were not, were not part of his family. And Jesus was saying to Peter, 
I'm gonna expand your view of family. Now, in order to understand the evolution of Peter's thinking around God's conception, God's vision of family, we have to understand where Simon Peter was coming from. Uh, Simon, like all of the young boys in uh, his neighborhood, grew up going to Hebrew school, uh, reading the Torah, and actually living a life that was fairly confined to uh, a somewhat tight religious sect of people. Uh, But throughout his life, we see God continuing to press against Peter on this topic of his family, God's family, the family of God, being bigger than what Peter could ever conceive of. Peter couldn't conceive that somebody like Cornelius, uh, this Roman centurion, is going to to experience uh, the the favor of God and to be invited into the family of God. He just couldn't conceive of it. And and it would be difficult for anybody in his shoes to conceive of it. If If you put yourself in his position, what you see is, uh, Peter is looking at this, This first of all, he's a Roman. Uh, the Romans are, were the ones who had moved into Peter's country, invaded and oppressed them for the entirety of Peter's life. Not only was he a member of that ethnic group, but he was part of the military uh, who was responsible for invading and oppressing Peter and his people and, and, and the other Israelites. And not only was he a member of the military, he was a leader. He was a centurion. Uh, Peter didn't have to think back very far to remember that the last centurion he encountered was the one who was standing watch over the crucifixion of Peter's Lord and Savior. So Peter had no love for Roman soldiers. In fact, no love for soldiers at all. If you remember, his previous encounter with a soldier uh, involved Peter cutting the, the ear off the soldier. So Simon Peter, in his mind, had a long way to go before he could see Cornelius as a brother, as a member of God's family. But here's the beautiful thing that God did uh, in him and began to do in him, and he's doing it in us as well. Uh, And what he's he's showing us is that if we truly want to be a member of the family of God, then old identities have to die. Old philosophies, old conceptions, old ideas about who we are versus who somebody else is, those have to die. Those identities have to die. And it's hard for those identities to die because if you're like me, you're you're comfortable with what's familiar. You're comfortable with the old. I mean, we like we like the music that we grew up with because we're familiar with it. I'm a child of the 80s. You know, you play some Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh Crew. Uh, you you know, I, I'm in my element. Uh, the first few chords of Smells Like Teen Spirit and I'm like I'm all there, right? So we, we like old things. We like things that we're familiar with. I have an, an old Harley Davidson t-shirt in my drawer. My wife won't let me wear it because there's holes in it, but I like it because I'm familiar with it. I'm comfortable with it. Uh, it's hard to let go of some of the things uh, that are familiar to us. But Jesus was showing Peter. God was intervening in Peter's life and little by little saying, Peter, old identities have to die. And there's a beautiful moment because Simon Peter does go to Cornelius' house and he does pray for Cornelius. And Cornelius, the scripture says, and his family received the Holy Spirit. It's this this massive shift 
in the, this spread of the gospel when, when we move from uh, Christianity being a sect of Judaism to Christianity becoming a, a global sweeping movement. And Simon Peter was right at the heart of it. In fact, it's amazing when you look at what Simon Peter said in that moment after he went to this Roman centurion's house and he prayed for him and, and, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Simon Peter says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and, and who does what is right. This is a revelation for Simon. This is a, uh, a vision for Simon about what God means by family. Because when God says all people, he means all people. The problem for many of us though is when, we are, when we're being confronted by a new vision, uh, when, when we're being con confronted with something that God wants to communicate to us, uh, it can look to us like a threat because we're familiar with the old and we're afraid of the new. In fact, uh, when Simon Peter went to uh, his fellow brothers, uh, Jewish brothers in Jerusalem and told them what happened, I, I went, I met Cornelius, I prayed for him, the Holy Spirit fell and, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the scripture says that this is how his, his brothers uh, responded. It said, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them? I mean, they were, they were horrified. They could not believe that Simon Peter would breach this code of us versus them, uh, them th those of us who are in versus those who are out. Um, but I love how Simon responds down in verse uh, 17. He said, if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? You see, God was working on Simon Peter. He was changing Simon Peter's conception of who constitutes God's family. And maybe he is working on your life today because you see, the reality is we all have to be reminded that God wants all to become family, that every single human being on the planet is made in God's image, is made with the imprint of God upon them. They are the Imago Dei. They are God's image and God wants all to be in the family. So for Simon Peter and for you and me, that means that some of our old identities have to die, but they don't just die and we don't just get stuck in that position because a new identity begins to emerge. Some of you may recognize as the former family center. Uh, the walls have been demolished. There's, there are cables hanging from the ceiling. There are pipes broken over there. Uh, the floor tiles have been popped off, off the floor. The place is a mess. It's a wreck. It's been demoed. And if we were to stop everything we were doing right here, right now, this place would be unusable. But of course, we're not gonna stop. We're gonna put new paint on the walls. We're gonna put new flooring down. 
We're going to tuck up these cables and this place is going to be beautiful for ministry. But the reality is sometimes demolition has to come before restoration. Sometimes old things have to die before new things can be born. This is what God was trying to teach Peter. And this is what God is often trying to teach us. Sometimes there are some identities, some ideas, some approaches, philosophies in our life, some structures in our mind that have to die in order for the new thing to be born. You see, God was trying to get Peter to lay down his understanding of family, to let that idea die because God had a universal picture of what he wanted Peter to understand about family. He was calling all people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation to become part of the family of God. This is the central understanding for Christians. It's, it's, it's not that we stop at personal salvation. That's not the end. That's not the finish line for a follower of Jesus. That's the starting gate. That's where we begin. When we open our life and experience the grace of Jesus Christ, that's just the beginning. Where we go from there is we begin to see other people as the children of God. We begin to see ourselves as emissaries and ambassadors to bring people into the family of God. So when Christians stand up for the oppressed and when we, we stand up for the poor and we serve those in need, it's not because we're just great people. It's because we see them as children of God. When Christians grieve with the parents of Ahmad Arbery, it's because we see him as a child of God. When Christians stand up against uh, racial prejudice or ethnic uh, bias against the Asian Americans who are being discriminated against right now in the midst of this pandemic, it's because they're children of God. They're our brothers and sisters. When we stand up, uh, when historically when Christians have stood up for the unborn, it's because they're children of God. When we stand up against oppression, when we stand up for, for people who are hurting, when we seek to serve the sick, when we seek to reach out to those in need, it's because we've had a radical new understanding of God's conception of family. It's because we have come to understand that God wants all in the family and all are made in his image. So for us, as followers of Jesus, what we see in the life of Peter and what we see in us is that it's not just about getting to the starting gate. Okay, Jesus, I got a ticket to heaven. That's just the starting gate. It's not about that. It's about something being broken down in us, old identities dying, a new identity being born. And then ultimately, it's about a divine vision of what is possible. today with a question. What would our church look like if we got a fresh vision like Simon Peter on the rooftop that day, a fresh vision of what God means by the term family? What if we got a fresh picture of what it means to be a part of the family of God? What if we got a picture in our heart, in our mind, a vision in our life, in our city, in our world for us to become one 
to become one family. This week, I got to see just a, a snapshot of what that might look like. We have a team, a new team at our church, started by a new member named Shay Harrison. It's called the Hospital Visitation Team. It's comprised of dozens of healthcare professionals in our congregation who serve in various hospitals and doctor's offices and care clinics all around the city. This team was formed several months ago before COVID-19. And this team was formed for the purpose of going in to the rooms of patients that are members of our church and praying for them by their healthcare professionals. In the last few weeks, the hospital visitation team has been out on the front lines of treating the sick, healing the afflicted, bringing hope to those who are isolated in the age of COVID-19. They're on the front lines of bringing good tidings to the meek, binding up the brokenhearted, comforting those who mourn, bringing beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that God might be glorified as he described in Isaiah 61. Yes, they do it because it's their job. Yes, they do it because it's what they love to do. But at the very core of their motivation is perspective about family. At the very core of who they are, they see each and every person as having been made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. They don't just see a patient. They don't just see a disease. They don't just see an infection. They see family. It's a snapshot of what a group of people can do when they really begin to understand that every single human being on the planet is made in the image of God. And God wants every one of us to become family. He calls out to us. He says every tribe, tongue, and nation coming together as one. He says that he is seeking to save everyone who is far from him. What would it look like for our city, for our world, if we really, really took seriously what God means when he says family? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he prayed and his prayer to the Father right before he died, got on his knees and he said, Father, I pray for my disciples. And not only do I pray for my disciples, but I pray for all of those who believe in me because of their message. That's you and me. And he said, my prayer for them, my prayer, his prayer for you, his prayer for me is that we would be one. He said, I pray that they would be one even as you and I are one. You and me and me and them. He said that they might be brought to complete unity. And then he said something so fascinating. He said, because when they're brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. My prayer today is that we would embrace the vision of Jesus. We would embrace the mission of Jesus. We would embrace the hope of the gospel, that, that we would reach beyond our comfort zones, break down whatever barriers we've experienced, let the old identity in us die, let a new identity be born, get a vision for what God wants to do with this church and this city and this nation, and we would reach out and join Jesus in seeking to bring all in the family.